Welcome, everybody, to the Mando Fan Show. We are back, baby! And we are here to talk about the very special episode of Disney Gallery Mandalorian uh, making of the season finale of season two, which showed us the return of Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. So thanks to everyone who's joining us live right now. Uh, if you take a moment and you're on Twitter or wherever we post social media, share that post uh, with your followers and say, come on in, come hang out in the live chat. I see there's a bunch of people already in the live chat. And with me as always are my wonderful, beautiful co-hosts, James Bainey and Lacey Gillerin. Uh, I watched this thing on my lunch break today. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it. I'll just say this before we get into it. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but as we know, expectations should really be kicked out the door when it comes to this sort of thing. But I still had a good time watching it. Enjoyed it. Uh, first reactions and how are you guys doing in general? I'm doing good. Um, first reactions, John, is that I'm the opposite. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. <laughs> All right. And in some ways I was like debating was like, is that the best episode of gallery they've done? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's arguable. Yeah. All right. Cool. How about you? See, uh, I was pretty pumped by it. I, I want to watch it again. Cause I feel like I was just so excited to see Mark Hamill again that I kind of like looked over a lot of stuff. And I remember, uh, there were a bunch of like really good quotes that I was like, Oh, I got to remember that. And then there'd be another one. And I'd be like, Oh, I got to remember that. And then it was just like yeah. too many things, but, um, it was just so wonderful to see the process and I was watching and it's funny you say that James because I was watching going James is gonna love this because they get really into like deep fake and like all <laughs> that's this exactly stuff. what I wanted <laughs> <laughs> I was like he's gonna love this they get into the nitty-gritty um, yeah. yeah no it's it was what I expected it to do you know I think when the episode came out there was a lot of criticism to oh it doesn't look like Luke oh that looks weird oh I don't like what they did there and the fact that they took so much time to go through being like, this is what we did and why we did it. You can't argue mm -hmm. with the choices that they made, um, which I yeah. really loved because they weren't afraid to say, no, we did the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But we'll get into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to get into what our favorite moments, uh, as we typically do here on the Mando mm -hmm. Fan Show in a moment. But before we do that, again, thanks to everyone who's joining us live. Appreciate anyone who's sharing this post with your followers on social media. Also, just make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, um, uh, youtube.com slash Star Wars News at videos, of course, and like the video, leave comments on there as well. And uh, we have the Super Chats available if you want your comments featured on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the front of the list um we appreciate that support as well and then real quick if you want some of the swag that we have mando fan show style uh go to store.resistancebroadcast.com we have our season one version we have our season two version and james is wearing yeah. our moff gideon version that up. yeah there we go got that shirt that. and we got the moff gideon look at that right there it is <laughs> very nice well done oh. good job james there we go all right so uh why don't we get after it here um it was i think just under a 40 minute show or around there before besides credits um, i found myself Jay checking like is there more left and i was like oh there is more left because mm -hmm. i yeah. just expected it to be 25 minutes yeah right yeah uh, yeah i don't recall how long the average gallery episode was but i felt like these the for the season two there were more like specials than episodes mm -hmm. um but uh, James, did you have a, a moment that really stood out to you or a favorite uh, takeaway from this uh, special gallery episode? Um, yeah, actually. So Lacey was right. It was, you know, my whole 
favorite thing was like the section of like understanding how they did the technology oh and the choices gosh, of why they that? went with what it went with. So yeah. the actual, my actual probably favorite moment is writing down like in notes, like, Oh my God. So they did it. They deep faked him. And then literally at another point going, okay, no, not at all. <laughs> like, yeah. And them literally switching and saying, we just have to look at the technology for where it is right now. And we did everything we could to, to go down that Avenue and see what it could produce. And then at the end of the day, they thought maybe this technology would be better. So they moved and shifted their efforts towards that. And so that exact pivotal moment where they're explaining that was the moment where I was like, so they did it in a completely different way. This is, this is incredible. <laughs> so now they're going to go into that. I thought I was under the impression that they're, they're showing you how deep fake works. And then uh, that was going to be, you know how it was but then when they said we tried that this is the extent that we went and then we moved into this i was like oh it's starting over they're they're now they're showing me this version of how they did it and i was just blown away at that yeah i thought this was just so cool and they i i'm surprised that they included this but maybe it's just their sense of moral responsibility of bringing up the fact that you know this is this can eventually be very dangerous technology and they know that and John Knoll, I think, put it best when he said, like, it's it's not the app, it's how the user wants to use it. And it's kind of like yeah. the force. Like do you that power exists and it's there. And this technology is gonna be there whether you decide to make it, someone else will. And they're like, it's just a matter of how you use that. We understand that that uh that responsibility of of, of using it for good. And uh, I found that interesting. But Lacey, did you uh what was your what was your favorite moment? Uh I'm gonna guess it maybe it was Mark Hamill holding Grogu. Is that Right on. I so there were multiple points Which in this part? episode. I don't know if it's just because it's been a week for me, but like I was just crying. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Someone would be like, it's like when I was a kid, and I'm like, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, probably yeah. uh actually, so the Mark Hamill parts obviously are the best, but the part that really stuck out to me was John Favreau talking about R2 and then Dave Filoni giving the story of him saying, well, if Luke's here, then R2's got to show up and saying that Favreau that was, was like, cool. well, yeah. R2, mm-hmm. R2's going to show up. And then him admitting that like he teared up seeing R2 because I think yeah, a cool. lot of times, especially in the past few years, people lose the understanding of how much these characters mean to people. And I think that gets lost sometimes in, oh, well, why do they make this decision? Or, oh, this is too much. Or, oh, it's fan service. Because it's important to people. And I like hearing from the creators themselves that they're like, yeah, I got choked up. It means a lot to me. This whole thing means a lot. Uh, because it means a lot to me. And I'm sure it means to everybody watching and stuff. So yeah, um, it's nice to hear and that goes for the whole episode. I mean, Peyton Reed talking about how much it meant to him and Dave Filoni talking, which we'll get into like his sneaky ways of, I love how they work around leaks now, which made mm-hmm. me laugh. I did laugh. Yeah. At that part. Um, which I must feel like yeah. I wish they didn't reveal because now they have to come up with new tricks. I don't think they do necessarily because they did it with like concept art and stuff. So that stuff's never going to be like, how are you ever going to tell? But yeah. I wish I was the person that was like, I know this isn't real, but this is hilarious. But yeah. it just goes to show with the leak stuff um, that it, leaks aren't that important. Did you get the likes you want? Because like, I don't know, it, it just hearing the creators say that they were so nervous the whole time and they 
they didn't know when it was going to come out or if it was going to come out and with the whole Grogu thing and then saying that Ahsoka came out and Boba Fett came out and they were like we don't know where this is all coming from and then even Mark talking about it being like yeah uh, you know it could be an animator at some studio somewhere that sees one thing um, so it's very interesting to hear them talk about leaks and the countermeasures they take for leaks however my favorite part was talking about like their childhood connections and how much it meant to them and their families yeah that was cool was there was yeah. there one spot where you cried the hardest oh uh it wasn't like sobbing it was just oh, like okay. tears running down my face like being like yep. mm-hmm. and matt was doing stuff in the house and he'd walk by me i'd be like shut up what uh <laughs> shut up what <laughs> Uh, Work sunglasses, just like I had a blanket. Yeah. I was like, this just. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I I started crying. I think when Peyton Reed was talking about how much it meant to him and how. Oh wow! All him right. and John went to Mark's house, and they were like, "There's this moment that you just never imagined would happen to you." And then Mark talking about how he thought they were just going to replace him and how much it meant to him because mm-hmm. I think we can all openly admit that Mark was not happy with the way the Last Jedi went, and so. He did get his moment in The Rise of Skywalker, but to get to see him play Luke in his prime, which I loved that they talked about that because you see him in his prime, you know, pretty much at the start of his prime in Return of the Jedi, and then the movie just ends. And then you're like, okay, but what other cool stuff does he do? Right. Um, So, yeah, that was really great. It's weird that I'd never really considered the the way that Mark phrased it uh, comparing mm-hmm. it to the James Bond movies, saying yes, this is like you yes. get a trilogy of leading up to how he got his license to kill, but then never showing James Bond ever as a double yeah. agent, you know, or anything like that. And I thought that's a very interesting point of view that I've never really thought about the original trilogy. That I mean, we've obviously had the discussion of like, well, that's when Luke becomes a Jedi and you know, and he's at his prime or whatever. Um, prime's a weird word too, because sometimes I think like his prime would be like, you know, last Jedi. That's really when he's the most powerful. But anyway, um, I think, no, it's just, yeah, it such a, like going on adventures and like taking them down bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, what I mean, mean, like by prime when they mean, yeah. When they, when generally when people say prime, they're talking about like when your body as a human is like at its peak, you know, as far as like athleticism or something along those lines. Sure, but when sure. you're talking about a Jedi being powerful, like that comes with wisdom and Him age projecting too. Himself yeah. across the galaxy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just always thought yeah. the, 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 the prime thing was interesting, but it doesn't take away from the point that, you know, he finally got to be this Jedi and he's really strong at that point, able to defeat, Darth Vader and uh then that's it that's the, <laughs> the closing of the book and he really put it well and it did make me feel the same way kind of he feels is like man I w- I really wish we could come back and explore that and it was such a cool opportunity that now that the technology has caught up with the ability to to do what they did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just opened that door for him again and that was really cool and really special yeah what was your favorite I- part John I don't know if I had a favorite part because uh, I, I wrote a bunch. Of, I won't wrote a bunch of stuff down. I I typed a bunch of things into my iPhone <laughs> note tablet uh, of things that I liked a lot. But believe it or not, in terms of like what got me the most emotional was them just showing that scene of Din Djarin saying goodbye to Grogu again. Like I started. Oh, the te- family. Yeah, moving on. Mm-hmm. Just like, and it's just so funny because that's all that is is just a clip from the episode. 
I've seen it plenty of times, and it's still just him taking his helmet off and just like popping this thing off and just saying, "Don't be afraid." And just like all that stuff, and like Luke saying, like he's asking for your permission, like that. What got out of all this show, seeing Mark Hamill as Luke again, all that stuff. Nope, Din Djarin taking his helmet off, saying goodbye to Grogu, got me the most emotional. But I think my favorite part was, um, Favreau talking about the new, like pretty much, he just seeing him understand that, like, has he has his finger on the pulse of, and why he, that's why he's such a good filmmaker is. He understands the nuances of storytelling and he knows how to read the room. And it, by that, I mean like he knows what but, what buttons to push at the right time and stuff like that. And also at the same time, the nuances of u- tech usage and not overdoing it. And yeah, we're going to use Luke's outfit b- because of the familiarity element, but mm-hmm. we're going to uh, do other things that may be different. And I thought the most interesting part of this whole show is how they presented Luke from a storytelling perspective as he's a Jedi. These people don't know his story. You know, Luke is living his movie and we're seeing his movie in star Wars. Cause that's the story George Lucas told us about this family, but in the galaxy, they're just like, Oh, are you, a, are you a Jedi? And then they don't know much about him. And I love that they approach it that way. Instead of being like, Oh, that's Luke Skywalker. That's Luke Skywalker. Like mm-hmm. Bo-Katan or somebody was doing that. So I thought mm-hmm. that was such a smart thing that they did. And when they kind of explained it that way, I was like, wow, now I can go back and watch that episode. And, and look at the reactions that they kind of give for each character as he rolls in. And you understand why, you know, Bo-Katan was saying, you know, X-Wing, identify yourself and, and, and all the things that come with that episode. So I think that was the most interesting part is how they, how they um, knew to do that and have the awareness to do that. It, it just shows how good of storytellers they are and how we're very lucky to have them. Uh, and then the, the cherry on the Sunday is Dave Filoni saying um, when John and I both, agree on an idea we know we have something special and i thought that uh, <laughs> them showing that sort of like reliance on each other but also trust in each other and that teamwork um the the fruits of their labor ha- labor have proven true because yeah. you've seen what they've been able to create and i'm very excited to see what they do going forward and how about favreau just being so you know, Peyton Reed directed this, but you see Favreau in there pretty much giving directions like, all right, so he's going to come down that hallway, but this is what we need to do. Like he's very, very hands-on. And and that's why I feel like the Mandalorian felt so cohesive because he was such an involved showrunner, but it didn't seem like he was stepping on toes because everyone seemed to really enjoy themselves, including, like you said, Lacey Peyton Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Dave and John make such a good team and it's been very interesting even just from season one to season two, how confident they are in their decisions and how sure of themselves they are. I feel like over the years I've seen Dave Filoni talk about things and there's clearly passion and and creativity and thought behind everything that he does. But I feel like this interview in particular was very, very like we made this choice and this is why we made these choices and here are the choices that we're making moving forward, Um, which is just so cool to see that he went from being on the animation side to the live action side, working with John Favreau and him and John Favreau meld so well together that Dave Filoni's like, you know what? I'm in this. I'm doing live action now. We're all about it. This is why we do it. Um, which then gets into the whole Plo Clune thing. <laughs> like, well, before we get so into it, it's funny that that's Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. Like that, that's got it. Like, is that a <laughs> yeah. bit? Is that like one of those things? No. Where I'm, like when kids used to like Boba Fett just to be different. You know what I'm I saying? I think so. No, is yeah, Plo like Koon that cool? Like, what's so cool about Plo Koon? Be, like, I don't know. Everybody seriously. has their characters that they like. James, you said you were going to say something before we get into that, though. 
Yeah. Well, my thing was is John touched lightly on John Favreau having a, a, a pulse on everything. And I wanted to go back to the, how the episode started with just him opening up and saying, you know, this franchise is so big. It's so important that every fan feels like it needs to be handled the correct way. And just, I I don't know. There's something sometimes like this episode in particular, but um, there's something about when a, a show runs its course, like the Mandalorian exists in my head more than me. Like, watching it and the world reacting to it it did and now it it, some time has passed so it's like i remember the mandalorian and when this fired back up and john favreau is sitting there and he's not even they're they're not even showing clips they're just talking about it i was like just a hundred percent right back in it i was like the mandalorian is is real it's a real thing and it's exciting and this is the leader of the ship on that. I mean, there's it's it's arguable that Dave's involved. It's arguable that Kathleen Kennedy is involved or whatever. But it's kind of like in, in a lot of ways, it's John Favreau just and him saying it means so much that it's handled exactly this particular way. We do everything to make sure that it's perfect in our heads before we hand it off. And knowing what we've gotten from season one and season two and, and just feeling like the average fan as divisive as the movies are. The Mandalorian has been so handled so well that just immediately from the get go, I feel like everybody watching this episode was like, yes, like I'm bought in, I'm back in it. The Mandalorian is great. Here we are again. We're all gathering together and rallying yeah, behind John Favreau. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> that's no, all we I have. Agree. Right I agree. I, I kind of felt that way a little bit too. But, How yeah. about how they admitted that the Luke thing they thought of the first season? They just didn't bring it up yet. Yeah. Well, like, they, it they, makes they, you they, wonder what other things they figured out. Because they were like, oh, we knew sure. that he was going to go with Luke. But well, we brought I think this up uh, for the voice. Because when he came in to do that voice, they yeah. were going to have him do that in season one. And then they mentioned the Luke stuff. So the fact that Favreau was like, can we have Luke come in? And Dave was like, yeah. And they were like, okay, cool. Let's talk about it now. And it's like a full season ahead. I- I think that, and you just reminded me of what one of my other favorite parts was, because I think that was one of those things where they were like, we have to figure this out for this reason, just so we can get the story to this point, which like (laughs) Filoni brought up this amazing point, which is, which I still kind of agree with, uh, disagree with. If you remember when we reacted to the episode, sure, I didn't like that he went with Luke at the end, but Filoni uh, Filoni makes a good point. He's like, the only person that we could get away with that happening with is Luke. Um, And so they connected, they're saying. Yeah. So they probably had to secure that so that they can get the story to that point. So like, we have to make sure Hamill's on board first, because we're not going to bring back Luke without him. They were very like, we have to get the guy, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah. And, and I love how Hamill's like, I can keep a secret. I kept that empire strikes back secret for a year and a half. (laughs) Yeah. I just love, I just love, I love that so much. But then at the same time, you know, I remember him saying when he first got the script for a new hope, they didn't realize it was going to be a big hit. So he was literally leaving it on the coffee table as his friends were walking in and out of the apartment and taking looks at it. So times, times certainly change, but um, yeah. And and the novel came out before the movie. Yeah. 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 It's like, (laughs) that's the story right there. Well, part of my mind uh, instantly because we're seeing like an older Mark Hamill sort of 
um, getting a chance to revisit this character, maybe in a way that he it gives him like closure, um, which you can clearly tell by how he was talking about it. And he was all in on it. But I had to obviously make the comparison between this documentary, even though it's shorter, and Director and the Jedi, uh, because I feel like Director and the Jedi felt like a funeral because Mark Hamill was very emotional throughout the whole thing. Uh, when he saw, when he was working with Yoda and Frank Oz, he was like broken down into tears. The moment when he was doing the stuff with R2, he was crying and Ryan Johnson had to console him and stuff. And this felt like a party. And this is my point about how this didn't, this documentary didn't go like I thought it was. I thought they were going to really try to hit us in the chest with this like heavy emotional stuff and make it this very like, oh my God, this is, oh, I can't believe it stuff. But this felt like a celebration to me. This felt like a very light, you know, Luke's back sort of thing, almost like the theme of there's Luke in his prime sort of situation. And it was it was like Luke, it was like Mark Hamill having that chance that you didn't think you'd ever have again to go back and play your your character. And almost maybe he got to in, in as he's being Luke in his old attire. Yes, he probably feels old. He probably feels like a little tired than he used to, but he knows that he's going to be seen as young Luke. And that probably made him feel like young Luke again. And you gotta love that the fact that we we have that and it actually happened. And uh, who knows? Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't and does another That's what spot I was with say. it. But uh, I, I just, mean, th- this was uh, the bottom line. This was more of a, a feel good celebratory feel that parallels the funeral sense I felt for director and the Jedi for Mark Hamill, which I prefer Luke. actually. Everyone knows this. I prefer happy over sad. So yeah. oh yeah, even. Though and I, I love that documentary. I'm not, I'm not, you know, sure. I but even though I cried it. for both of these things, um, yeah. mm-hmm. I think with this, it was just like a nice, it, it was like a happy moment. You know, it, it kind of was the teaser that they released with Dave Filoni where he's like, it's about a good feeling. Like Star Wars gives you that good feeling. And that's what this episode did is I left it smiling, being like, that's why I like Star Wars. That's why I like the people that work on Star Wars. Smile. And how, I'm always, <laughs> how I'm always going to like it. Um, but yeah, so Plo Koon, Dave Filoni with his sneaky ways being like, oh, we're going to call it this. And then they show clips of them on set being like, so uh, Plo Koon's going to come in and he's going to do this yeah. thing. And they even made a fake head and everything. I well, like, how, I like how he said, if we use Plo Koon, fans are going to buy it because fans know how much I love Plo Koon. Like he's so yeah. dialed into the fans. It's <laughs> I love so, it. And I love I, it. Yeah, I love that. because that means you- He's like, they wouldn't doubt it. They would just be like, yeah, that seems legit. Yeah. yeah. So you know, like Dave Filoni doesn't go on Twitter and stuff, but you know he's like paying attention. Like he knows that mm-hmm. fans, he knows what what fans are like and that sort of thing. And he even brings up like when he's talked about all these things. Like sometimes you know these people who are making this stuff, we feel like they're unreachable. But he brings up like all these great things. Like Star Wars is supposed to bring you good feelings. You know, like going to celebration and stuff. I'm like, yeah, going to celebration. Sent reaction videos to Mark. Like they're yeah they're yes they yes. know they know what's going on. And they they yeah. also said that that leading up to the episode, their team was like regularly on social media and things like checking, checking and keeping up with yeah like what are the leaks right now. I thought that was interesting too. So <laughs> it's like all the posts around that time, they were seeing it, you know, because <laughs> it it's not like right now where they're not really paying attention. As the episodes are getting closer to air, that's when they are paying attention to what people are saying online. So the average right. fan who pops in and says, well, I've got this lead or whatever, is probably something that they're, they they have their eyes don't, on. Don't 
Don't forget that um, keeping the secret of Mark Hamill, actually, believe it or not, might be easier because he isn't at the stage in his career where he has publicists and PR reps trying to promote his career. Oh, it's yeah. like him and his wife. Whereas like, you know, Rosario Dawson or or Katie Sackhoff, they even tease stuff themselves. Tamara they Morrison. have like PR Remember? reps hitting up like Hollywood Reporter like, hey, listen, my uh, my actor's going to be in that new Star Wars show, just so you know. And then right. it like goes out to the to the trades and stuff. But Mark Hamill, he's probably like, it's just him and his wife. So what are they? Who are they going to tell? So it I think, well, what we about Max's right. agent? <laughs> oh, right, Max's agent. Max is like, I'm Luke Skywalker. He actually did like, say, oh. he tweeted when <laughs> yeah. came out that he was excited to be a part of it. He didn't say how, yeah. but he said he was excited to be a part of it because I looked it up yeah. today. Um, yeah. But we were right during Mando Fan Show where we talked about like, how did they keep the secret? They must have had a small crew and they talk about how the rest of the crew was yeah. doing Robert Rodriguez's episode. And yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. so this is like a closed, closed set. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny how that how that happens. And I mean, I'm glad I'm glad like like tomorrow we're 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 going to put out a story on Star Wars Newsnet that um is going to be about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And I'm not going to say any more than that. Just look for it on starwarsnewsnet.com. Um but it the, uh, there's different ver there's different degrees of like leaks, so to speak. I think there are things that are cool and if you check it out Oh, great. It doesn't really ruin anything for the story for me. That's kind of an interesting thing. Maybe it's going to make me more interested in seeing the show. And then there's mm -hmm. stuff like there's baby Yoda is going to be a creature in Mandalorian or Han Solo is going to die in The Force Awakens or stuff like that. That's the stuff you get. Like, even if you even if I found that stuff out, which I never want to find stuff like that out, I would never report on that or tell anybody about stuff like that, because look at the how much they care about it. And that sort mm -hmm. of thing. See, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So I, I like that um, that they they care so much, not not for their egos, but to preserve that moment for the fans that they'll never get to have as the creators because they're making it. But they want to. See, it's like when you when you cook something for somebody and you like to see the joy in their face when they take a bite, or you get someone a nice present for their birthday and the joy you see on their face when they open it. That's what they feel. That's their. Mm -hmm. Their joy is seeing our joy. Um, so I, I, I definitely, uh, even though I work for a site that uh, reports on stuff, uh, stuff like that, I, I stay away from because I, I think big surprises like that need to be left to the shows themselves. And I think mm -hmm. they've been doing a good job with that. Nice. We do have our first super chat. Thank you, PLD. Yeah. PLD, what's up, buddy? Filoni is diabolical in the best way possible. We are in great hands. I loved that whole sneaky convo about that being like, yeah, we did this. Thank you, man. And this and this. Mm -hmm. And then fans wouldn't think this because of this. And I'm like, you're so sneaky. And I love it. <laughs> yeah, love it seems it. like they, it, they they seemed very confident and very in control. Like they were like, well, we know this is probably going to happen. So we want to send these people over here and we did this to block that. But it's funny. I don't remember the Plo Koon stuff leaking either. So it's not like they intentionally it leak it. They just no. have like a backup. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was they kind of said that Boba Fett and Ahsoka leaked. And I was just like, it made me thinking what John had said last year about, did they do that on purpose? But apparently they didn't like to keep other things safe. Well, there, there's yeah. misfires by the trades too. Remember Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to be in the Mandalorian season two. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, some guy, Matt Smith was supposed to be Palpatine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't know that story. <laughs> they I need do, to make a but... gallery of that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, where did that story come from? But that's that's another another story for know. another day. It's a story for another time. Yeah. Um, yeah. the technology stuff. So I was, I kind of forget what what my stance on it was as far as what technology they were ultimately using. Whether it was like, I, I think the question was always, are they going to like, um deep fake him or are they going to de-age him? De-age him. Yeah. From Marvel. But I felt like there were other, yeah, I felt like there were other options and I thought there was one point when Favreau was like, just for, for, you know, argument's sake here, there's multiple different facets here, but let's name them for ease of sake. And I thought he was going to name like all five possible ways to bring him back or whatever. And he really only named the two that they used. So I was, I, that was one like slight disappointment. I thought, I thought for sure, he, much similar to what we did with Leia. We were like, all right, what is every possibility possible? They're going to recast her. They're going to the CG her. <laughs> They're going to use old footage. Yeah, I mean, like we went through every possible thing and and uh, brought it out. But he only seemed to mention the two that they were that they pursued uh, uh, thoroughly. But I I uh, I was surprised when they started talking as much about deepfake technology as they did. Um, they they even went as far as to say that it basically came down to one person. Like there was there was team involved, but it really felt like mm. they gave it to this person uh, named Landis. I believe his name was. Uh, correct, put it in the chat if I'm wrong on that. But they said mm. we locked him in a room. We yeah, let him Landis, do his yeah. thing, and. And it really felt like uh, the story that we had heard recently. I don't believe that's the same person, but they hired a deep fake professional to come in and do that whole thing. So uh, so obviously they're trying to build up in that department and maybe get a couple different uh, people involved, uh, especially since that person was responsible for a version of deep faking this exact scene. Um, mm -hmm. And I, right. like I said earlier, to start off, I was just fascinated with how much they went into all the deep fake technology and totally like, like I said, they, like it was one guy. We, we, he did the whole thing. Whoa. And this is not ILM. This is something you can just download on your computer. And they computer. keep saying that. Yeah. yeah. They kept saying it. They're like, this is, this is just where we're at with uh, visual effects. Kind of what Hal t Hickles kind of told us that too. He's like, any listen, I anybody agree. can do a deep fake, you know? And yeah, I, I get that. And I mean, Favreau was, he's like, look, we know how technology goes. And like, I remember like when I had N64, when that first came out, I'm like, video games can never get better than this. This is, I incredible. said the same thing about PlayStation <laughs> and it's so funny. Now, now I look back, time. I'm like, this is crap. So I, I, he, I remember he seeing a video for final fantasy seven. And I remember telling my brother and my mom in the conversation, <laughs> I was like, we have to get a PlayStation because look at what the technology is able to do. It's, it's, it's not going to get much better than that. Uh, <laughs> and Favreau knows he knows. Cause I mean, he's at the, yeah. been at the forefront of all this, the volume, Stuff and he and loves all it too all his movies yeah. always push the uh push the limits of what technology so, can do and he's always looking at what the new thing is he he yes and he knows that it's going to be to a point where it gets on you can't tell the difference and the uncanny valley thing's going to be gone and that's going to be wild it's gonna be good for movies it's gonna be scary for you know politics and war and stuff but we're gonna focus on the good stuff the movies but i, I still mean think um, we're already great. there we're already, I, look, I do too I, I think he looked great too the one thing that i found very interesting and maybe they just showed these clips for the sake of the documentary. Mark Hamill 
because of his car accident, looks very different facially from A New Hope to Empire Strikes Back and Beyond. Right, and they use all those things, and I was like, that makes no sense. He has a completely so in the face. test stuff, right? They were using like yes. hit pre, yeah, a like hope. a New Hope yeah. era, yeah. So yeah. I found that interesting. Someone else brought up um, uh, Ryan. I forget what his Twitter handle is, but he had br- showed us a, a screen capture of the documentary and Luke's holding what looks like Anakin's hilt on uh, a lightsaber. And he's like, do you think this means anything? And am I, I think he tagged you in that too, Lacey, but yeah. my, my response was, I think it was just a placeholder prop that they had just so they can measure the shot to make sure the lightsaber. I think was they were doing stunts at the same time. They had one day to do all of this. I think they were yeah. doing stunts with the other one and practicing with yeah. Mark with Anakin's. And maybe also depending on who was a part of that crew, if they had Luke's hilt, that would have given it away to someone they didn't want to give that secret away to. Mm-hmm. We don't really know like what was going on there. But I don't think that's people may start running away with this that oh Luke was holding Anakin's hilt. Were they going to do that there? I don't think that's anything. So I think that was just a prop thing, and it ends there. But uh, I, I did find the facial mapping stuff very interesting. The voice thing uh, blew me away because I had just watched the Val Kilmer documentary, and he apparently now can speak through this same exact app in mm-hmm. his voice which he can't talk anymore so so if he continues to act they could probably use that for him uh going forward i don't know if they did for top gun or whatever but they use that for 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 luke and i found that so cool because i did wonder like did they have mark hamill speak and then remodulate it but no they used it was all ai and uh, i thought that was very cool very cool. it's like we, ways ways they have you read a couple phrases and then the Thing yeah, they had Anthony then, Daniels as C-3PO doing ways for yeah, a while. Yeah, they just have you read a couple of words and then they, it pieces it together. It's kind of the Which, same thing. So, that means C-3PO can pretty much live on forever in movies if Anthony <laughs> Daniels can't do it anymore. True. And and Darth Vader, too, if they if went down that route. Yeah. Len did ask about the egg. Uh, Len, I don't think we've ever seen the egg before. I think they made the egg specifically for this situation. I don't think like they... a mini volume. I don't know. I mean, they maybe you. I got I the impression that we've never seen it before. Yeah. I, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you have seen it. Just it's we're not paying attention to those things. I was thinking. Sure, I was thinking sure. that technology was used for other movies with CG characters oh, and other things like that, and video games, perhaps. The way they made it seem in the episode was that they only had one day to shoot this, and that was one day with the egg. So as if it was like rented <laughs> or brought on specifically for that day and so because it wasn't their property um and they i they also said things like yeah we can do like environmental stuff with it and i was Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. but when i mean that you only you created it for this one scene so i i have a feeling that the the fire and all that that's just for other properties this i think that technology belongs to somebody else and they brought it in they're just showing that they used it for this because they needed it for this specific thing. But John, I wanted to touch on too, when you were talking about the, because for whatever reason, we went into this like PSA about uh, the ethics of faking things and stuff. And and it is interesting because I think we had talked about this once before, but we are already there with photos. You can already create a photo that is indistinguishable from a a photo taken um, authentically or whatever. And now they're saying, well, we've moved into voice, but we've actually had voice uh, for a while now. And the thing about it, too, is like people don't pay as close attention to audio uh, as you would think, you know, so having someone's voice uh, even be replicated by an actor, most people probably wouldn't even know. 
like uh, someone who's just good at imitating someone. Like but Mark Thompson's we, like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. But we <laughs> can tell faces and that's why it's the one it's that gets hard, the most yeah. glory and the pay attention to the and, eyes, and, oh yeah. once that happens we're going to be able to but i think the point still stands is that we've been able to fake photos for a very long time and that even though it has caused problems it hasn't like derailed trustworthiness or, or what we believe or what we can understand to be real and reality uh, i thought his whole discussion on how they should like tag things. And I, I feel like that's just like this. I feel like it's a crazy idea for a whole new culture of how humans work together to distinguish truth and stuff. And I was like, that's probably never going to happen, man. Cause as much as, as much as somebody is able to create something that can prove that it's real, somebody else out there will come up with a way to break that. Um, right, the same way right. as no matter how hard Apple tries to make their phones impossible to break into, there will always be companies in foreign countries that that have teams of people built specifically to break into uh, those um, secure technologies and yeah. just get into them. I mean, it's just I I can I don't ever see what he was pursuing as a real possibility, but. It's it's one of those things that's like fun to think about in a ethical, philosophical, what if the world was like this kind of way. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it was an interesting thing. And I, I'm interested to go back and rewatch it and hear John Favreau talk about that because it felt very candid and it felt like he almost went down a rabbit hole that wasn't didn't have anything to do with the show, really. But they were like, all that stuff was so cool to hear him talk about it. Let's go ahead and right. include it, you know? Mm hmm. Well, we do have a super chat from Michael. Hey, Michael, thank you so thank much. You, he said, just wanted to say how happy I am to be here talking about Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, and Mando fan show with this awesome group here. It makes me happy. It makes us happy. Man, too, Michael, thanks, thank man. you. Appreciate that. Thanks so for much. joining us. Yeah, thanks Can you say Luke Skywalker? I think out. you have to say Plo Koon. Plo Koon. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, we know you do, Brian. Oh yeah. Yo, yeah. <laughs> Brian says some people even fall for bad photoshops in my experience. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I liked the tech stuff. Um, I always tend to lean more towards the, uh, human side of it and the story side of it. And, um, you know, with Dave Filoni and, and Favreau talking about, um, you know, what they feel star Wars, uh, what it means and that sort of thing. And then, you know, recently again, you know, the internet had a bit of a buzz where people were talking about the potential of R rated star Wars. And it's just like, you got to get off that train, man. Like it's, this is, this is for families. This is for generations. This is passing the torch down and uh, these, these stories of coming of age and, and doing what's right and that sort of thing. And yeah, they, have they pushed the envelope? Sure. Did. Yeah. They have Leia in a bikini. Fine. They show Anakin on fire. Fine. But there, there's a line that, that you draw there and star Wars doesn't need to go across that line. There's plenty of stuff out there rated R that you can watch. Like if you can't get your fix and rated R content, you're not, you're doing, you're doing life wrong. Cause there's a lot out there. You don't, we, we, you don't need to get your fix in star Wars. And I feel like people pushing for that is a little strange to me. Um, but you know, and teach their own, but star Wars is just never going to be that. And you hear, Filoni talking about it and and what it meant to to him 
growing up and what he feels like it means like to to kids today and it's supposed to leave you with a good feeling in the end even though there are tragedies in star wars and bad things happen it always is about that hope and that sort of thing and that's the end game for this for the story arcs and then favreau just talking about how he thinks it's interesting how the kids who grew up on it aren't seeing it the way kids are today because now they're the parents they're not the luke skywalker anymore you know what i mean so I just, uh, I don't know. I love it. I don't know what to say. Agreed. Mm-hmm. It, I, uh, I wanted to touch back on just how I'm so excited about this is the team moving forward. <laughs> 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 I, I multiple times in this episode, I just was just, and it goes without speaking, I guess a little bit, but I was just very excited to hear John and Dave speak. And on these subjects and every time they open their mouth, I was like, that's exactly it. Like that's, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. Yes. I don't know if they said a bunch of wrong things and they cut it out (laughs) and Disney was like, we can't put that in there. Gotta do this. But however they put it all together, I just had this, I had full confidence. And actually I wrote that in a note. Like I have complete full confidence in this team that no matter what they're doing, they're doing it um they're doing it well but they're doing it to the best of their abilities or to what they think is the right thing to do for the franchise and there's nothing self-serving about it they're only there to do their job for the service of the franchise and um it's it's cool to hear what you mentioned earlier that that john favreau teared up at one point because it's it's one of those things like you know, when, when I was in the band and stuff, I kind of lost an aspect of going to a live show because no matter how cool the show was, all I saw was the things I know that make a concert what it is. And it kind of lost that aspect of going to a concert. You know, I, I kind of don't have that anymore. But every once in a while, there's one show or one whatever they do just right. And I think uh, it was nice to hear someone as as well-versed and um, with all the experience that they have in in John Favreau to say that he can still be on set and get caught up and choked up. And uh, Filoni pointed it out about R2, but when R2 rolls around the corner, he's like, I can't take it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, There's something, there's something happening right here. And he goes, I still can't explain it. I don't know what it is, but when it happens, it's magical. And um, I don't know. It just, it, it was something that I think fans of Star Wars needed to hear, you know, that these people involved, 100%. including including like Kathleen Kennedy, too. She hardly ever speaks anymore. But the way they're talking about her in the set, like the job of a producer is to make uh, to come up with the creative ways to make this possible. It It also just reminded me how in charge she really is, you know, like when you. When you step back and you look at a film, we often think that it's the director's film, but we have to remember it's the producer's film. Um, sure. Because they are the one that are basically like paying for it and it's their story. And they were the person that hired a director to make, to realize their vision. Um, and, you know, she was sold uh, on the idea and she said, this is good. I like this but she's still making the Mandalorian happen. And it's just, it, I mm-hmm. don't know. 
it, it really reminded me that she's still there. And I don't know, I, yeah. I didn't actually look into it, but I think there was something today that was talking about the possibility of her extending her contract or something. But well, I, I don't know if that was real or uh, just a rumor or whatever. But I, I, on the cuffs of this episode, I was like, no problems. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people, for whatever reason, focus their attention on proving that the people who made things up were wrong and it's just like just obviously so don't even like focus on all the good stuff that that james just said you know like Mm -hmm. kathleen kennedy is one of the greatest producers of all time so she has it's like the double edge uh abilities to make these things happen and you know she is the president of lucasfilm but she is one of the greatest producers of all time and favreau said like you see the fruits of that come through here with these shows and stuff like that and uh you can't you can't forget that you have one of the Mount Rushmore of producers uh, in the mix here with these shows. Uh, in addition to what Favreau and uh, Filoni are doing, it's a it's just a powerhouse, and and so far it's been it's been fantastic. And I'm very it makes like seeing this makes me very excited to see what else because now we know how Favreau and Filoni work. Cool, the Ahsoka thing. I'm down with that. I want to see now what Deborah Chow can do over here with you know that that isn't Filoni and Favreau let's see what the other teams can do uh with with these stories because we know how these guys work let's see now I'm very excited to see what the other teams are going to be able to do too speaking of Ahsoka Mm -hmm. I found it very interesting that Dave was like she's technically Luke senior you know she's she's a better fighter than Lucas and I was like oh that's crazy Only not because it's not true, just because he would mention that. I think that's a bold statement to make. I think a lot of people immediately be like, what? Well, she's a Jedi for much longer. Yeah, right. Right. And And his point even there, too, is that she's had so much more ability to be trained in sword fighting. And it's like, yeah, it's undeniable. I mean, she was she was there. And they were showing them back to back of like Rosario Dawson versus him, which I totally get. Uh, But going back to what you're saying, James, I think. For me, a lot of times, and this kind of plays into the the rated R thing John was saying, was I think oftentimes as Star Wars fans, we love to dive into the deeper meaning of things and, and the nitty gritty and the details and all this other stuff. But for me, a lot of times it's about that good feeling. It's about leaving these shows and these movies feeling good and having a good time with a smile on your face. And I think this episode meant so much to me because I feel like one after the other all people at all different aspects of the production, whether it be, you know, John and Dave and Peyton Reed to the visual effects people, John Knoll and other people, that it's it's about the good feeling you get from Star Wars and how you celebrate it with your family and your friends and like what it means to you as a kid. And I think oftentimes we see in fandom, whether it be via writing or video or on Twitter, people like breaking down these deeper meanings and kind of saying, oh, well, you don't get it. And I don't think it's necessarily always deeper than that, than just, hey, it's about family and hope and feeling good when you leave. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really enjoyed that. It felt like consistently each one of them were saying that they were like, it's just what you get out of it. It's it's just enjoying it. That's what it is. It's entertainment. Um, So it was nice to see. And that plays into like the rated R thing. It's like, I don't think that would ever happen only because this at the end of the day is for kids. It's for kids and their parents who are showing it to them, which John Favreau brought up. Um, so yeah, I just hope that they keep that theme going, which I think Dave Filoni of all the people, especially John Favreau, he loves that family stuff too. Cause he did elf and whatnot, but I feel like Dave is very much the torch at Lucasfilm being like, this is for kids. This is for kids. This is what George wanted. It's for kids. I agree with that. 
Um, yeah. And that's why he you know, got elevated to the creative director position, executive director. But uh, also, I, I, I feel like these gallery episodes are very good because they're also a very good reminder to a lot of people who are like, thank you, Dave Filoni, for the Mandalorian stuff that this is like James said, this is John Favreau's project. And sure, sure. Uh, they, they both work together and Dave definitely helps steer the ship for the canon connections and, and, and themes and that sort of thing. But uh, Favreau is what's making this thing run. And it's just like his experience uh, and his ability to tell a story and to keep the machine like going smoothly and stuff. is just like, I feel like it's crazy to say it's like underrated because now we expect it so much that when we're not, when we don't have it one day, it's going to be like, oh man, I miss John Favreau. It's like me as a Yankees fan, like not having Mariano Rivera closing games anymore. It's you're biting your fingernails off. That's Favreau to Star Wars right now for me on the T on the Disney plus side, not taking away anything from JJ Ryan, anybody who made the movies or anything like that. But it's just, uh, it's like this comfort that you feel uh, and you feel secure and confident as a fan. Like, yeah, we're going to get more of this and it's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. And I, I don't know. I think that's such a good feeling to have. And he seems even as much as he's had experience and all these franchises he's been involved in, he's been in the business for almost 30 years. He still feels like a kid when he's doing this stuff. Like Lacey, you brought up the hit his, that moment with the R2 thing. Like, I love that. Like that shows that he, he still is, that kid with an imagination and dreaming and that sort of thing to the point where they got these guys going in and re and duplicating the, the exact animation of R2D2's lens from return of the Jedi, just mm -hmm. to, as a little nod. Uh, it's like, that's unbelievable. So for anyone to think that star Wars isn't in good hands, I think that's, that's crazy to me. So, or, uh, or just it, how just, often they were like, a good feeling. It really is just a good feeling. Changing the haircut to make sure yeah. that it, it was like a hundred percent, like the, the, as, as many people as you can to feel the embodiment of Luke, like there's things you're going to change about it to, that. Some people would be like, well, that looks like more Luke to me. And how Hickle touched on that too. It's like it, different, you know, sometimes is like sometimes uh, a deep fake or someone online will make something and everybody's like, well, that's better. It's it, different. You know, it, it's kind of the thing yeah, he was getting yeah. at. I still land on that. I think this is the, the best version that I've seen. I can I still so tell, but I, I think it's the best version that we've seen. And every time I see another version, I go, Oh man, it's, I, I don't see what people are seeing. That looks so fake to me. This one looks a little fake to me. You know, I still right, think right. it looks really good. And I think what they did is, uh, they really nailed the hair and the expression and everything to it because I think they really, they took, all the pieces to get as close to what the general person is going to accept as Luke, uh, as this version. And I also speaking of Luke, because <laughs> this, I did want to bring this it. up really quick. Oh, sure. Ben in the comments, there's been a little bit of a back and forth between people. He said, do you, did you hear all the times that Favreau said it was important to keep Luke, con Luke consistent? Was that direct shade that are thrown at the sequels? I honestly don't think so, Ben. I think, that Favreau was saying that time period is the one that's the most beloved point of Luke Skywalker that everybody knows the best, like what James was saying with the different consistencies of mm -hmm. like, hey, I know him from A New Hope. Hey, I know him from Empire. Hey, I know him from this. I think that's what he meant by consistent is like trying to make sure that he falls within those movies and the person that they remember while also hitting all these different people. I don't think he meant it as like, oh, this Luke isn't Luke type thing. Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah.
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, do you guys think Lucas coming back? Ha- having watched this episode, I got the impression that, like John was saying, the other ver- the other documentary was a little bit more like a funeral. This was a little bit more of a celebration. I too felt that, and at no point in this did I feel like they led into the. It was fun to return as Luke for the last time. That yeah, no, never did not. Yeah. Never even came up one more time. You know, to to do this. It, so in that way, and that's another way is not throwing shade at the other one. How about um, this? But they they finally give us the Luke Ahsoka moment. I think that's I think what that's, we're gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. James and I have been saying that for what year? <laughs> we we're like, it's yeah. gonna happen. My, my impression is there's <laughs> there's more to this than than meets, the, meets eye. the eye. And I think when they're even sitting there and they're saying, we wanted to see if we could secure Mark Hamill, so we brought him in with the voice and we showed him the Mandalorian. We gave him this idea. I don't know that that idea was we're gonna have you be the guy who shows up and rescues the child. I think that idea was. We're going to involve you in this bigger picture that involves mm. Ahsoka and a touching moment and all this other stuff. But it all yeah, starts maybe. with you with needing this. to, yeah, with you needing to be able to come back and willing to portray the character again using this technology. And and that is what they probably pitched him on this bigger idea of being able to utilize Luke um, and not so much like, a, would you be willing to do a walk on? thing where we basically replace your face and whatever yeah i think he's being story yeah i think he's being sold something larger uh about his return and i I think the fact that he's got grogu means unless we're never getting grogu again you're probably gonna see luke again yeah yeah Yeah. and i mean there are ways to get around that but there's there's less concern with having to preserve that secret now, so maybe they can do a bigger crew and maybe do it on a bigger set and maybe make it a little mm-hmm. more involved. Maybe have Luke do a little lightsaber work. I don't know, but yeah, uh, I think we are going to see him again. I agree with you, James. That that didn't have that level of finality to it. It was just like this celebratory thing. Like and 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 Luke the fact did that they do lightsaber work. He killed all the droids. Yeah, I mean, a f- dueling with somebody. Oh, oh. Um. So. I think we will see him again. I do. Uh, I'm curious to see how they do it. But the fact that they included that that aspect of Hamill saying, I'm so glad we get to see Luke tell these adventures now in this huge gap of time. I think you, you don't include that if it's just like, here's a cameo where he's going to take this kid and go away. So yeah, they did a lot of work. I feel like they, they almost told us he's coming back without telling us he's coming back. Like <laughs> That's that, that how stupid I Twitter felt. thing. Tell me something without telling me something. That they told mm-hmm. us that. Yeah. I just sound like NZs and sorry. I apologize. Um, <laughs> you did sound like him. That, that, that's all I got. That is all I got, though. So I, I don't know. I mean, we're coming up on an hour, but I'm just curious if you guys have any final thoughts on this uh, on this episode. And um, if, if it made you more excited about Mandalorian coming back or uh, just reminded you or make you want to go rewatch season two. Like, what are your feelings, Lacey? Uh, final thoughts. I miss the Mandalorian. I miss the hype of getting up super early, even though that sucks. Uh, I miss every week talking about what we saw. And I love these behind the scenes things. Like this is what I went to school for. This is what I love. I love, you know, how things get made. 
Um, so this was a great episode. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to have to go back, like James and I have been saying, go back and watch mm-hmm. it because I feel like there's just things I skipped over because I was just like Mark Hamill's in this episode that I was just so yeah. excited to see him. Um, and I was really pumped to just see him back. In, I think we talked about it earlier, but like some of my favorite moments was there was a moment where Mark, they talked about Mark. Uh, I can't remember if it was Dave or John. It might have been John about how much this means to Mark Hamill and how much this character means to him. So I think overall, just this once again, nails the point that these people care more than you think they do. They hear us, they listen to us, they watch what we're doing, what we're talking about, apparently. Uh, So, (laughs) you know. Hi, Kathy. Cringe, cringe to some people, not to us. I'm saying some people would say some ridiculous stuff. But um, just remember that remember there's humans behind these stories that are creating these things for you and don't be the first person to jump to the negative when stuff comes out being like oh this this looks terrible because you don't know Mm. how many people worked on that thing you know it's okay to be critical but just have fun with it that's have that good feeling that's the best part Mm -hmm. right on james uh Um, any any final thoughts here after the discussion and uh any takeaways looking towards the future for this show and maybe others. Yeah. I mean, I want one thing that I'd written down that we didn't really talk about, but it began to be glossed over just as like a cool point or whatever. There was a very specific thing that they were talking about. Uh, Mark Hamill teaching people, teaching others to be Mark Hamill, you know, oh, kind I of the younger that. actor, yeah. that whole moment of what it's like to be him and how he needs to replicate it and going through the whole process of like, well, we shot it with Mark. So he's like the main key figure here and then we went back and we replicated it uh in the egg we replicated it with the the younger actor the stunt Mm -hmm. actor and they had to make sure that all of it lined up and stuff and i i thought that whole process was really interesting because at at the core of it they can't really use anything mark samuel's doing like his body doesn't work his his face and head doesn't work you know so they're replacing it, but they're keeping him 100% like at the core of the performance. Because nobody can um, play themselves at 20. I don't care who you are. No one can play yeah, themselves yeah. at 20, 23 years old. Maybe um, Paul Rudd. Oh, Paul <laughs> Rudd. Yeah, sorry. That's the or, one. Or how about the, Ming-Na one Wen? From... Forget Paul oh, yeah. Rudd. Yeah. She's, she yeah. looks Okay, there's two people that can do it. No one else yeah. can. <laughs> I I saw Paul Rudd's first uh, uh, role or whatever. It was a Super Nintendo commercial. Somebody yeah. posted it recently. I was like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> like, how, like, he even looks younger now than he did in some of his older stuff. <laughs> what, what about getting a big name actor on a budget? <laughs> you know, we got Paul Rudd for like 500 bucks or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, the other thing that I was going to mention was how multiple times in this episode they said, they revisited how much Luke was too much Luke. Uh, and oh, yeah, dialing it back too much, too yeah, much. We went to too Luke <laughs> to recognize where we started with when I, when this episode of gallery began, I was immediately brought back to the Mandalorian is real. It's here. It's a, it's a real thing and I'm watching it. And I feel like I'm watching even this behind the scenes. I feel like I'm watching it for the first time. There was, there's something very special about that. And to mention, they said, as much as this whole gallery episode was about Luke, it still felt like it was about the Mandalorian. It's like they've somehow managed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. 
to dial in exactly how much Luke is, even in the behind the scenes footage. But John, you mentioned that's that one scene that gets you crying is, boy, did they ever nail it for the actual show? It would have been so easy to have Luke just like swamp everything. And the, the final episode would have been like, I mean, the Mandalorian story, whatever it was, whatever, but because Luke showed up and it really, really was not. It was a hundred percent. The takeaway from the episode was how and beautifully that's... it wrapped up where these two characters are parting their ways. And, and Luke was there and he elevated it. And, and just like they were saying in, in the episode, the music and all the beats that led up to the sale of the visual effect. Um, it all was orchestrated so perfectly and came together um, that I, I don't know. It just, it, even watching this behind the scenes thing made me realize how magical Disney and Lucasfilm and Star Wars and the Mandalorian, yeah. all of it. It just, it's such a good thing. And it, it just really excited me to be part of this fandom and to be part of the podcast that we get the opportunity to just talk about these things. Um, so yeah, it with and with everybody who's watching and, and commenting and stuff too. Especially knowing that the, you know, the Mandalorian is filming in a few weeks, season three. And, and who Boba knows Fett's what, done. Boba Fett's done. Ahsoka's probably gonna start filming next year. Uh it's it's all very exciting on, on what's ahead. Andor's possibly um, done too. I don't know, man. It's just my, I'm so bummed. I think my <laughs> final my final my final what thoughts. Sleep? <laughs> yeah. 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 My final thoughts. I think like whenever something's really popular, I get kind of tired of it and I try to like like go away from it so I don't get burnt out on it. And that's kind of like what Grogu was for me for a little while. Um, but the Porgs never recovered for me. The poor Porgs. I, even <laughs> though I'm, drink, I'm drinking out of one right now, but... <laughs> My son loves Porgy. Dude. His little toy that oh yeah walks yeah he sleeps with them and he told him the Aww. other night that uh he he made him squeak and when he set he was like dad do you know what he said he said i love i love you dad and i love you mom and oh, stuff God. like that and then he like was telling it he loved it in bed <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's awesome, so dude. cute he loves porgy that is awesome um but the the, the grogu thing like i think hearing mark hamill uh, and and Favreau and Filoni kind of refer to Grogu now as almost like this new, like important character that they need to take yeah. care of. It's like Grogu kind of earned his stripes and now he's a part of the legacy. And that made me excited now for the future of Grogu beyond the hysteria and the merchandise and stuff. Like now he's a part, like he's legit now. And uh, I'm very excited to see where he goes from here. And I hope there's a big future for him. Like, like we speculate about him rolling with Ray when he's an adult and like becoming uh, like a, a big part of the future of the Jedi and stuff. So the fact that you got Mark Hamill talking about, you know, preserving this legacy of this new character and stuff and how, well, it makes sense for me to go with him because I'm the only one who interacted with this species and stuff like that hits you right here. That's the real stuff. And um, I want to uh, hold him. Everybody gets to hold him. And by everyone, I only mean important people. So <laughs> when do I get to hold him? Yeah, you got to call uh, Jason Sudeikis and be like, what's your secret? How do I get in there? <laughs> we um, do have one more super chat from Nick. Thank you right. so much, Nick, who said, just remember 2022 you, will be nonstop Star Wars. That's right, buddy. That's right. And oh, heal that softball gosh. wound. That thing looked gnarly. He showed us this like cut on his well, shin. Yeah, this, this Going great, to, yeah. Hop in the back to tank, buddy. Heal up. But um, that's pretty much the end of the show here. We, uh, we want to thank everybody for 
being here in the live chat. Uh, if you're tuning in late and you want to catch up, it'll be on the YouTube channel. Don't worry about that. But also, we're going to get it up on the podcast feed either later tonight or tomorrow morning. We also have an episode of TRB coming out tonight if you're a patron and tomorrow morning. So the our machine doesn't stop. You know, that I, I james doesn't drink coffee yeah. i need this stuff to keep this stuff going so uh i want to thank everybody for for stopping by and watching uh real quick lacy where can everybody uh find you people can find me on twitter and instagram at lacy gillerin james uh people can find me uh twitter and instagram at myra trunks all right johnny hoey on twitter tomorrow uh we are going to have a story on star wars newsnet about kenobi little exclusive little exclusive uh, around noonish, hopefully. Uh, so check it out, StarWarsNewsNet.com. And TRB, again, if you're a patron, you'll get the new episode tonight. This will be on the feed tomorrow morning. And we also, for uh, for everyone out there, are a new episode tomorrow where we're going to talk about the future of the stories after, fittingly enough, after the Skywalker saga. So thanks, mm-hmm. everyone, for stopping by the Mando Fan Show. Until next time, see you around, kids. Mm-hmm.